Thank you for joining us on this live service. We're so excited that you could join us today. If it's your first time, your second time, your third time, your fourth time, your fifth time, your sixth time, just jump onto the comments section. Let us know where you're watching from. Give me the thumbs up. Give me the fire emoji. Give me the I love you emoji. Hit us up. We want to connect with you. Uh, my name is Seth Muli, and I'm excited to be sharing the word of God with you today. So do me a favor. Go get your coffee, all right? Get a Bible, get a notepad, get your tablet, whatever you use to read the word of God, get it and Let's go straight into the word. I'll be, read, I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. And this is what it says. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of these mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for fire uh, to be burnt as the offering and set out to the place where God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. I've titled my message today, Take the Test. Take the Test. Jump onto the comment section and type the title of my message, Take the Test. Listen, I am not a big fan of tests and examinations. In fact, I hate tests and examinations. Growing up, the one test that I hated was the maths test. I hated the maths test, and I would get anxious and fearful of writing that test. And what I would do is that I would fake, I would give a fake illness. I would start coughing on the day or say, them, or say to my mother, my stomach is hurting, mom, I can't write this exam. You know, I can't see myself writing this exam but I was lying the, the truth is I didn't want to write that test and you can ask my mom she's watching in Florida right now hi mom happy mother's day love you so much a big shout out to all the mothers in the world we love you happy mother's day and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you if you haven't done something for your mother go and do it now shameless plug okay now going back to the text I hated Matt's test so what I would do like I said, I would fake it. I would fake that I was sick and don't judge me. Jesus loves me. I know you probably did the same thing. So I'd fake I was sick and sometimes I'd get away with it. Sometimes I would miss that test. But other times my mom would see straight through my lies and she would tell me to get out of bed and go to school. But listen, there's some tests there's some tests I am so glad we have. I'm glad we have an example of a test uh, that I'm glad we have is the driver's license test. Listen, I'm glad we have that test because if we didn't have the driver's license test, we would have a lot of drivers on the road who would cause accidents and would be hooligans on the road. And so I'm glad we have that test because it qualifies us to be certified drivers on the road. You see, when you pass the driver's license test, it qualifies you to drive on the road. Another test I'm so grateful that we have is the test that medical students take to become doctors. I am glad we have that test because I do not want to be on an operating table with my chest open or my stomach open and have a medical student that is not qualified to operate on me. I'm glad we have that test. And what you must understand about tests is that they move you from one level to the next. When you pass a test, it qualifies you to attain something and, and, and conduct certain activities. So in the case of a doctor, when they pass their medical exam, they are then qualified to be called doctors, right? 
And the definition of a test is a procedure intended to establish the quality, performance, or reliability of something, especially before it's taken, taken into widespread use. Let me say that again. Especially before it's taken into wide, widespread use. That will preach, okay? Now, growing up as a Christian, I had this belief that um, Christians, if you, were, if you loved Jesus, if you were a follower of Jesus, that you didn't go through tests and trials and tribulations. I had this belief that if you just had Jesus in your life, your life would be smooth sailing. It would be hashtag blessed. It would be like the perfect Instagram filter. And I believe this is a flawed view that we have in the church uh, uh, that Jesus will make your life easy. Jesus was never meant to make our lives comfortable or easy. Jesus did not die on the cross. He wasn't beaten until he was unrecognizable so that we could live a hashtag blessed life or, be, or live a comfortable life. Jesus died on the cross for your salvation. Jesus came onto earth so that we could be saved and through him have eternal life. He did not come to give us an easy life. In fact, Jesus told his disciples in John 16 verse 33, he said, I've told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Jesus was telling us that tests and trials will come. He was telling us that being a Christian does not disqualify us from tests and trials. Being a Christian, however, does state who you will go through the trial with, and that is Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And in Genesis chapter 22, we find Abraham confronting the test of his life. The Bible says that God test Abraham by asking him to sacrifice his one and only son Isaac, aka God is asking him to kill him, to end his life. And what you must understand about Abraham is that him and his wife Sarah had been waiting 25 years for them to have their first son. God had told Abraham at the age of 75 that he would be the father of many nations, but it was only 25 years later when he was 100 that he had his first son and Sarah was 90 years old. And what you must understand is that Isaac was the representation of the fulfillment of a promise. Isaac was the representation of a fulfillment of a dream for Sarah and Abraham. Isaac was the representation of God's goodness and God's faithfulness in Abraham's life. Isaac was the representation of how God would make Abraham the father of many nations. And Abraham is confronted with this test where God asks him to give, to give up the very gift that God had blessed him with. And I'm pretty sure on Abraham's Pinterest board, he didn't plan for this. He didn't plan that he would have his son and then God would ask him to sacrifice him. After waiting 25 years. But what, we, what is interesting to note is the response to this test that Abraham was confronted with. 
It's interesting to note what Abraham responds to God in this process. And the first thing that we can see, the Bible says that the very next morning, meaning he did not delay, he did not think about it, he did not uh, take a couple of weeks to assess if this was the right thing. The Bible says early the next morning, which means as well that he didn't tell his wife. Because if he told his wife, his wife would have slapped some sense into him and said, you are losing your mind. First thing that we can see is that he did not delay. In fact, he wakes up early in the morning. He goes, I can imagine him going to Isaac's room and saying, listen, listen, Isaac. Listen, you only live once, literally. (laughs) You only live once, okay? YOLO. Today, I want to take you on the greatest, possibly the last adventure of your life. And one thing, don't tell mom. Listen, when you tell a young boy, don't tell mom, those, that whole sentence just means that this is going to be the most exciting thing of your life. So Isaac probably jumps out of bed, gets his shoes, gets ready, and he's ready to have the adventure of a lifetime. Next thing that we notice about Abraham, he doesn't flinch. The Bible says early the next morning, meaning he didn't even negotiate with God. He didn't even ponder this. If I was in that situation, I would have negotiated. I would have been like, hey, big man, God, listen, listen. All right, Sarah is 90, okay. She doesn't want to go to the old age home. I think this is probably the perfect time for you to take her instead of my son. Or in fact, you can take me. I'm 100 years old. Ain't nothing coming out of me anymore. You can take me. But he doesn't do that. In fact, He gets ready. The Bible says that he saddles the donkey, gets two servants around, and gets ready to do what God had asked him to do. And the first thing that we can learn from Abraham's response to this test is that obedience needs to be immediate. Obedience needs to be immediate because delayed obedience is just disobedience. Obedience needs to be immediate because delayed obedience is just disobedience. And I want to ask you today, what has God told you to, what has God told you to do that you've delayed in acting on? What has God told you to do that you've delayed in acting on? You might be asking, Seth, I don't know what God has told me to do. Maybe you're praying and asking God, God, tell me what to do. And perhaps can I suggest to you the reason that he hasn't told you what you need to do is that you maybe you need to go back to the last thing that he told you to do and do it. Obedience needs to be immediate because delayed obedience is merely just disobedience. Abraham responds to our God's requests with immediate obedience. And the Bible says that he saddled his donkey, takes two servants with him and his son. Then he chops the wood for, for the fire that is required for the sacrifice, right? And something that we can note here is that Abraham didn't outsource what he was required to do, even if it meant chopping the very wood that would be used to sacrifice his son. And what I want to tell you, the second thing that we can learn from Abraham in this test is that obedience cannot be outsourced. Obedience cannot be outsourced. And I love the definition, what the Webster says, the dictionary says that outsourcing is obtaining goods or services by contract from an outside supplier. Obtaining goods, services from a contract from an outside supplier, we can see from Abraham in this moment, 
that you cannot outsource your obedience. Abraham didn't outsource someone else to saddle the donkey. He didn't outsource someone else to chop the wood. He was a wealthy man. He could have told any of his servants to chop the wood. He didn't outsource anyone to go and wake up Isaac. He went into Isaac's room and told him to wake up. He didn't outsource anyone to round up his servants. He did it himself. And I want to ask you today, what are you outsourcing that God said you need to do? What are you outsourcing that God said you need to do? Perhaps God said that you need to call that, that loved one or the family member that hurts you and tell them that you forgive them, but you're like, nah, God, I don't play like that. That person needs to call me. He needs to WhatsApp me and tell me that he forgives me before I can do that. What you're doing, you're outsourcing your obedience to somebody else's response. Maybe God is telling you that you need to begin tithing and offering in your local church, but you're like, nah, God, you don't know my salary. You know what? You need to make sure that my employer gives me a salary increase. Then I will only tithe and offer. And what you're doing is you're outsourcing your obedience to another person's response. Maybe God is saying, listen, in this COVID period, would you just check up on your friends? Would you just call them? And you're like, nah, nah, God, I don't do that. They don't even like my Facebook status. They don't even like my Instagram. Instagram post. Why should I call them? And what you're doing is you're outsourcing your obedience to someone else's response. My friend, your obedience can never be based on someone else's response, someone else's actions, or the perfect condition. It is based on trusting the one who made the request. Your obedience is based on trusting in the one who made the request. Obedience cannot be outsourced. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance and he tells his servants, stay here with the donkey. And he says to them, the boy and I will travel further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. He doesn't say, I will come back. He says, we will come back. And what struck me is that Abraham overlooked the facts and he had faith to believe that he will come back with his son. Abraham had the faith to expect the resurrection. He had faith to expect a resurrection. And in the Bible, there had never been any type of resurrection. But by the way Abraham spoke, he believed that he would, he would kill his son, he would sacrifice his son, and God would resurrect him. And what we can see here is Abraham chose faith over facts. That's the third thing that we can learn, is that Abraham chose faith over fact, over facts. He believed that there would be a miracle. He came to the conclusion that he was going to see a miracle. He was going to see his son come back to life. And what he said, what he, his thought process probably went as followed. He says, God is not a liar. He cannot be mistaken. He told me that I would have a son. He then said that I would be the father of many nations. And Isaac would be the way in which this would happen. And God is not a liar. He doesn't lie on his word. He, he's, he's faithful to his promise. So Abraham expressed faith to believe God for a miracle. And what's interesting to note here is that Abraham chose to see the situation not through the lens of fear, but through the lens of faith. Not through the lens of fear, 
but through the lens of faith. And through the lens of faith, he was able to see and believe that God would produce a miracle. And my question to you today is, what lens are you viewing your current situation through? Are you viewing it through the lens of fear? Are you viewing it through the lens of negativity? Or are you viewing it through the lens of faith? See, we all have a choice. And the choice is how will you see the situation? How will you see yourself going through the situation? Abraham in a moment where the, the opportunity to see the situation for what it was. He was able to see the situation for facts. Instead, he chose to see the situation for what it could be if God was in the middle. Abraham in a moment where he had the opportunity to see the situation for the fact that he was going to kill his son. Instead, he chose to see the situation for what it could be if God was in the middle. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and certainty of what we cannot see. I don't know what situation you might be going through and you might be saying, Seth, I can't see my marriage being restored. I can't see my relationship with my father or my mother being restored. I can't see myself getting that job. I can't see my business coming out of this COVID recession. And I want to ask you and encourage you and challenge you to take off the lens of fear and begin to see the situation through the lens of faith. Faith over facts. Faith over fear. Change the lens in which you're seeing the situation. See it through the lens of faith instead of the lens of fear. As the journey continues, Abraham gives uh, the wood and puts it on Isaac's shoulders, right? And he continues to carry the knife uh, and the fire. And at this moment, Isaac is a smart boy. Isaac looks around and he does the math. Says one plus one is not adding up to two. Something in the sauce ain't right. Because Isaac understood what a bry required. Isaac understood what a barbecue required. He understood that one, you need the wood. He was carrying the wood. Two, you need the fire or a fire lighter. His dad was carrying the fire lighter. Three, you need a knife to cut the meat. His dad was cutting the meat. His dad had the knife to cut the meat. The last thing that you need is the meat and Isaac looks around and he says something in here is fishy why does dad have the knife in the fire and I'm carrying the wood and he says father father Abraham says yes he says dad we have the fire for the wood I, you know, we have the knife and I see you've got the fire for the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Okay, what he's saying, aka, he's asking, what is going on here? Something ain't right. And Abraham's response is, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered and they both continued walking together. Again, we see Abraham confessing his faith in God. He tells his son, God would provide. And the fourth thing that we can learn from this test that Abraham is going through is that your words create your world. 
your words will create your world. In this moment, Abraham could have spoken life, could, excuse me, he could have spoken death into the situation, but he chose to speak life into the situation. He chose to speak life to comfort his son. He chose to speak words of faith. And I want to ask you today, what words are you creating? I mean, what world are you creating with your words? What world are you creating with your words? Proverbs 28 verse 21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Ooh, that's a good one. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. What words are you speaking over your life? Are you speaking words of life? words of death what are you speaking over your career are you speaking words of life words of death what are you speaking over your marriage are you speaking words of life or words of death what are you speaking over your business are you speaking words of life or words of death what are you speaking over your relationship relationships as well are you speaking words of life or words of death your words will create your world and this is one thing that I really struggle with, especially when I'm going through a test, especially when I'm going through a trial, especially when I'm going through pressures at work. I tend to move towards the negative side instead of the positive side. And my wife really helps me with this. She's the biggest blessing in my life and possibly one of the most positive persons I have ever met. If she's going through the worst day, she still has an opportunity to see the positive things in her life. She always chooses the lens of faith over the lens of fear. And she really helps me. And every time... That I, that I get into the state of negativity, she always asks me this. She says, Seth, if God has brought you this far, why would he stop now? Man, always smacks me in the face. If God has brought you this far, why would he stop now? And I want to preach to you the same way my wife preaches to me. If God has brought you this far in your life, if you are living a healthy life, why would he stop now? Why would he let you go? Why would he let you down? He is with you. And what is important to note is that you've got to remember, I love what the pastor preached last week. We have to remember and give thanks for all that the Lord has done. Remember, your words create your world. They get to the top of the mountain. Abraham now builds an altar. He puts the fire on the altar. He ties up Isaac and puts him on the altar. And he picks up the knife. And he's probably crying. He's probably in pain. Isaac is probably shouting, Dad, Dad, what are you doing? And as he is about to kill his son and sacrifice him. At that moment, the angel of the Lord says the following. He says, he called to Abraham and he says, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham says, here I am. The angel says, do not lay a hand on the boy. The angel says, do not hurt him in any way. For I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me. Your, even your only son, you have not withheld from me. And I love what the Bible says in Genesis 22, verse 15. It says, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and not withheld 
even your only son, your only son. I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. Abraham had taken the test God had sent and this what is what we just read now was the justification or actually the qualification of what he attained through trust, faith and obedience. What he had attained through trust, faith and obedience was that he was continue to be the father of many nations. That his children's children, his descendants will take over cities and he will surely be called blessed. I want to tell you today that the test that you're going through was never meant to kill you. It was meant to shape you. The test that you're currently going through, the trial, the tribulation, was never meant to kill you. It was meant to shape you. It was meant to shape you into more of the image of Christ. It was meant to shape your faith. It was meant to shape your trust in God. It was meant to shape your obedience. It was meant to grow you. James 1 verse 2, probably one of my favorite scriptures, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials and tribulations and tests of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance must, it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature, not lacking anything. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, not lacking anything. What this verse simply says is that we should rejoice, we should be glad, we should be, we should be uh, joyous when we face trials of many kinds because those trials come to produce something in us. They come to produce faith and perseverance. I love what the Bible says. It says, let perseverance finish its work so that, so that you might be mature and complete not lacking anything. Meaning, if you don't take the test, if you don't allow perseverance to finish its work, you will be immature and incomplete, lacking everything. If you don't take the test, if you don't take the trial, if you don't allow perseverance to finish its work in you, you will be immature, incomplete, lacking everything. The test was never meant to kill you. It was meant to shape you. It was meant to shape your faith. It was meant to shape your trust in God. It was meant to shape your obedience. Abraham, he faced the greatest test of his life. God had told him he would be the father of many nations. And in this moment, Abraham had a choice. God had given him Isaac. And the choice was, would he trust the gift or would he trust the giver of the gift? Would he trust that God would give him this gift to be the father of many nations or would he trust the gift to make him the father of many nations? And I want to ask you, sometimes God will give us these Isaacs, he'll give us the dream job, he'll give us all of these things, but a lot of the times we can begin to trust in the gift and not worship the giver of the gift. I want to encourage you and challenge you, don't trust in the gift, don't trust in the job, don't trust in your marriage, trust in the giver of the gift. Worship him and not the gift. 
Abraham took the most difficult test of his life and he passed the test through trust, faith, and obedience. And it qualified him to be the father of many nations. I want to pray for you. Maybe today you're facing a test and you don't know how to go through it. Maybe uh, you've gotten the Isaac and you've focused more on the gift and not the giver of the gift. I want to pray for you today as heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father God, I pray for everyone who's facing a test. God, would you give them the perseverance to endure, the perseverance to go through it so that you can make them more mature, you can grow their faith. I pray for those who have gotten the Isaac, who have gotten the gifts. I pray that you'd help them to put their trust in the gift and not in the giver of the gifts.